Um, we only we only actually worked three days a week. The other two days we're watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a nice job to have. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I've been in a number of industries. Okay. Uh, when I eventually ended up in the property sector, like I said, it was almost by mistake. Um, I um, I got a job at a company called JHI, which is one of the top um, property and facilities management companies in South Africa. Yes. Um, so that was my first foray into property, and uh, that uh, sort of really started the love of property for me. I never thought that property would be where I would end up. Um, like I said, I wanted to become a chartered accountant, yeah. which in itself was quite a, a thing because I come from a colored community in, in Cape Town that, uh, you know, for a, for a colored boy like myself, to become a chartered accountant was unheard of at the time. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we were laborers. We were the people that did all the work, not management. Yeah. But I, I had a father who, um, who constantly said to me, Nigel, you can be more than that. Yeah, don't, in fact, he's, the, the term he used was, don't be a worker, be a manager. Right. Was, he, always used to, he always used to push me in that direction. So, um, and with, with the, the sort of um, uh, entrepreneurial spirit that he had pushed and driven me into, um, I always wanted to have my own business. So I had four different businesses in my, in my working career. I stopped work, started a business, went bankrupt, started again, um, you know, so it was back and forth, back and forth. I had a couple of consulting businesses. I did some um, BE consulting in the early days of Black Empowerment. I um, had a event business. Um, I raised capital for small businesses and all those other things. But when I got to JHI, that's really where um, the love of property started for me. And that was more than, I think, something like 20 years ago. Sure. I was a property manager, a financial manager, um, became a facilities manager, um, and I sort of hopped around from that one place to the other um, within the property sphere. Um, became, I, I was then headhunted by old mutual properties um, while I was in Johannesburg at the time. And um, there I learned about retail. Um, I became the financial manager of Hauteng. Um, in fact, for all of um, South Africa, except the Western Cape. I looked after the financial management of the retail centers for Old Mutual um, Retail at the time. Um, I then moved back to Cape Town and uh, they, I got involved in their new business development set, uh, division, still in property, um, at the property factory in Pinelands. Uh, they call it the property factory. Yeah. Um, and there I learned all about new business development within the property sector. So it was a very exciting, very interesting journey. Um, and then eventually ended up after a bit of an, another stint in trying to run my own business. I ended up at a company called African Alliance Properties, um, which was a new startup property by a, a group of colored businessmen here in, uh, in Cape Town. And we um, built up this business from nothing into a 4 billion rand property portfolio that listed on the stock exchange in 2012. I still remember it was the day before my birthday. Um, we went to Stock Exchange um, and they congratulated us and, and entered us into the JSE um, with a 4 billion rand portfolio. Having run this business for, I think it was something like five years um, from nothing, building it up to a 4 billion rand business. Unfortunately, I wasn't a shareholder, so I didn't really benefit much from that exercise. Um, we then, uh, that company was then sold in 2014 to Reposis. Um, some may know Sisa Ngebulana, he's the CEO of Reposis and the Billion Group. I then went to work for that company uh, for a couple of years. Went up to Joburg again, spent three years there. And I ended up managing a portfolio of, of 18.9 billion rand, which was a vast portfolio across the country that uh, was commercial office retail. Um, student accommodation, housing, so, so quite, a, quite a diverse portfolio that, that I was a senior asset manager for. So I rose, as you asked the question, rose up the ranks from a financial manager, property and facilities manager into asset management, which in this game is sort of the ultimate goal where you want to be. 
and except of course being the owner of the business. <laughs> so yeah, so I ended up in 2016 um, is where I finally decided to get out of the corporate game because working 18 hours a day, seven days a week, it really wasn't for me. And that's when I started the enterprise development company. Uh, Nigel, so, you know, if you, if you are managing an 18 billion um, asset base, uh, potentially, you know, in today's world, you, you, you're getting paid well, you know. Um, I mean, I can throw in figures. You were much higher in terms of being an exec uh, from when I left employment. Um, so I can say maybe between 100 to 200,000, you were banking every 30 days, but being an employee, right? Um, and then you leave all of that with all the pecs of uh, business class and all of those things. And you want to go and do open up a spaza, if I may call it uh, enterprise development property fund, when nobody knows. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm just trying to comprehend this, Nigel. If it was my wife, my wife would have said, you're crazy. You're not leaving that job. <laughs> um, and, and, and me and your wives, we're both married to colored wives, so, so we know very well how well it went. But I just want to understand what, how did you motivate your wife to say, sweetie, darling, this is what we are going to be doing. And she looked at everything else and she said, I've got your back. Yes, do it. How did, how did that conversation go? Well, if I, if I were to tell you what that conversation was about, you wonder why I'm actually here today. <laughs> <laughs> As you can imagine, the conversations have been difficult. Yeah. Um, but I'm an entrepreneur by nature, you know, sure. by, by upbringing. So, you know, we've, we've been through this a number of times. Right. I've, I've a number of businesses, left my job, went back to work, left my job, went back to work. So, so I suppose she was almost used to it by now. Um, okay. Yeah, it was still, I mean, still always a difficult conversation. Um, there was, the, you know, coming back to Cape Town after that stint, uh, there was a, a, a very strong potential of income still, which, which was good. Um, because I was doing some consulting work for some other businesses at the time. So, so there was an income stream um, doing consulting, which yeah. then meant that I could do what I wanted to do because I was actually earning an income. So it wasn't too difficult, uh, you know, a, a conversation. It wasn't like there was going to be absolutely no income now um, and we need to live, you know, bootstrapping and so on and so forth. You know, having, having uh, been... Um, somebody who's had a career in the property sector and other sectors for such a long time, obviously you build up some kind of capital um, and you, you, you build a history, you build a, 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 a network. Um, I mean, I can pick up the phone and call um, on their personal cell phones many of the big um, corporate um, CEOs because I've been there. I've, I've been in that um, sort of sector. So I, I had communication with these people um, and I could make those kinds of phone calls. So if I, if I needed a job and I needed some income, I could go and consult and do some stuff. So it wasn't that difficult at that point in my life anymore. Obviously, yeah. earlier in my life, it was very difficult. But at this point, it wasn't that difficult anymore. So it was, it was, a, it was a, a better transition than the earlier transitions that I've had to make. Yeah. And, and, and Nigel... You know, and, 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 I, and I, in, I want to say that my next statement with all due respect here, um, and yes, I'm going to put an umbrella to it, but it might not be for, for, for many of people like that. The reason why I said to you that, <clears throat> you know, you, you said to your wife, you're going to open up a, 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 a SPAZA ETPF. The person who has the vision is, is only you. Mm. and your head so there's two of you and for us people of color because we do not have these things in our space where we can actually go and point it and we can actually place it we probably might fail to articulate what we are wanting to do 
or we pro people that we are wanting to say, this is what I'm trying to build, they probably don't see it because they've never seen it anywhere else. Yeah. Where they have seen it, it's, it's probably a different color altogether. So we have this blank, like it's for them, but, but it cannot resonate to us. So having you starting off a fund, I, I don't know many people of color who's got funds. We can potentially count them in one hand and say, you know, those are the guys. But, but the, the society has changed and things are moving on. But I'm of the view that, and this is, and this is where I said, you know, this is my humble position. Um, I, I don't, we, the society has changed, but I'm not seeing us changing mentally to change or to catch up to what is happening so that we can build these funds. Like for instance, now you've got a fund, right? And, and it's still something that is out there for us, but we, we, we can't bring it home. And I want to come back to you, Nigel, and say to you, what was that realization for you? To turn it around mentally to say, actually, I am going to do this because you didn't start off with a different name and then you became a property fund. You actually just started off with enterprise development property fund and you anchored that and th that's what I've always known you on, right? Now, mentally for you, Nigel, I just want to zoom in because we spoke about the wife. So the wife is kind of like um, familiar with what, ha what happens in your space. This is the person that she said I do too, so it's okay. Um, but mentally for you to actually break out, you know, having coming from a color community and thinking like things like that, but for you to actually attain and start implementing this and to now we're seeing the fruits of it. I don't know how many students you've got now who are on the, on, on the fund, learning from you and people that you've put in together. And potentially some people now are seeing, oh, it's working. But, but back then when you started off, they're like, uh, you know, he's trying to build a spaz. Because spaz is, that's what we know. You know, let's just walk us through that part, Nigel. Okay, so I suppose with the background that I have from the entrepreneurial, sort of having this entrepreneurial spirit, yeah. the desire to be out and do your own thing has always been there. It was really just about finding that niche, that one thing that I would be really good at. Mm. And being able to, um, to articulate that in a way that people understand what you're trying to do. So you, you talk about, you know, uh, talking to people and so on and raising the money and whatever to do what I do. So for the first year in 2017, going out there trying to raise the capital to do what I'm doing, it was nearly impossible. Because as much as people understood what I was trying to do, because I think I articulated the concept very well, nobody wanted to put money in. <laughs> so, and to run an organization like this and an academy um, where now the question, how many students have got 120 students on the program? The reason it's such a small number is because that's all I can afford to actually do because with my partners and a few, uh, you know, one investor and two partners that I have, I've managed to run this organization um, on our own cost uh, to support these 120 students. So I've, I've said over the years that I can only take 45 to 50 students per annum because that's all I can afford. Sure. You know, me financially um, supporting these students. So it's not, I mean, I'm not supporting them financially. I'm supporting the program. Sure. And, and at the end of the day, um, we, even today, we don't have corporates that are physically giving us cash to pay the operating costs. Um, as the discussion that you and I had prior to this uh, um, webinar was to talk about the incubator we're about to launch. So this incubator that um, you see behind me um, is something that was a dream of mine um, that is now finally coming to fruition, but not because any funder has come on board to say, here's some cash, buy some furniture. It's because we were so committed um, 
as a team to make this a reality that come hello high water, we were going to make it happen. Right. We're at that stage where we're about to launch this, uh, this incubator, uh, obviously waiting for the final level one to come so that we can have bigger groups inside of the, the room. Um, we will then eventually launch it. But it took a long time to get to four years of struggling to make this happen. Fortunately, as the, the organization started to grow, as we started to prove what we were doing, um, we started to see a willingness from corporates to come on board, to support in different ways, not to give cash, yeah. but to support in different ways. So like a tech, for example, they would pay for the catering and for the venue in Joburg when we do training there. Okay. Um, um, what used to be the Urban Housing Foundation, PUF, UHF. Yeah. They um, also sometimes used to give us their venue with, uh, and pay for the catering. In yeah. Cape Town, in they um, give us five courses that, are, that we teach within our academy. Five of those courses they give all our students at a cost of 40,000 Rand per student. Now think about that, that's 120 students times 40,000 Rand. That's yeah. a lot of money. It is. But, but they're not giving us the cash. They're giving it to us in what, they, as you term, in kind, where they do the training for us, but we don't pay for it. Yeah. We've got people like McRoberts attorneys who've given us access to their small, their SME platform, um, where normally if you're an SME, you pay 3,000 rand a year to be on the McRoberts attorney platform. Um, and there you get all sorts of legal advice and guidance and contracts and so on. And we get that for free now uh, for all our candidates. Um, Lightstone, the same. Lightstone have given us free access to their system. Um, and, and I can mention a whole host of other organizations that have come on board. Right. So the drive that I had in the beginning um, was purely a drive that was born out of a number of different things. Number one was my drive to be an entrepreneur. Number two, my love and my passion for property after these many years of being in the space. Yeah. Um, you know, once you're in, I mean, you know, once you're in, you just, you fall in love and you just can't stop. But why did so, you? <laughs> I developed a love for property. Yeah. Um, such a, a, a massive desire, I just cannot stop. Right. Um, and then my desire to, to empower um, those who are, who are disempowered, not just by apartheid, but by the legacy of apartheid. Right. And that's probably my, my biggest driving force. When I was in corporate, one of the, the key things that I was very focused on was transformation and empowerment of those who come from a background like my own, like yours and others. The problem was that corporate just didn't want to actually fund that type of project. There are projects out there that would fund things like um, enterprise development where it comes to things like you being a cleaner or a security company or even a facilities manager. But they wouldn't fund things that would drive you to become a property owner. Okay. And that for me is the key to the land transformation issue. It's all good and well for us to discuss our land transformation um, issue in the country and government, uh, uh, writing all sorts of policies and even changing the constitution hopefully one day um, when section 25 will be um, amended. That's meaningless to me as an entrepreneur because we can already as entrepreneurs get involved in the property sector and become property moguls if we wish to do so. We've seen it happen. There are people who have gotten into the property sector and become billionaires. Now, as much as the money for me, the money has never been a driving force. And one of the things, the questions that you sent me in preparation for this discussion um, was about um, sort of, you know, where to and, and um, where do you go from here and, and what is it all about and what's the ultimate goal and so on and so forth. Yeah. It's not about money. This is about empowering and transforming the property sector 
We're talking about almost 6 trillion rand. 12 zeros. 6 trillion rand. Property sector. There's enough for us to, for everybody. There's enough to go around. We don't need to take land away from people. But as property investors and property developers, we can actually become property developers or investors without the support of government. What's stopping us, Nigel? Very often be a hindrance to what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. What, 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 is, what is stopping us? Okay, so now we're getting into another topic again. <laughs> there like a thousand topics of things we can talk about. Yeah. I think what is stopping, and there are a couple of things. You, one of the questions you asked me about the top tips. Yeah. So let's talk about the top tips. Number one, education. Right. I don't know if you saw a couple of weeks ago, I spoke on a, a, a webinar with private property where the topic was property as an investment opportunity and not just a place to live. Yes. Most people think of property as a place to live. I don't think of it as an investment. But why? Why, 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 do we, why do we think like that? Well, I suppose it's our legacy, our history, where we come from, um, the fact that we have not been able to, as black people, and I speak black when I say black, the generic black, Indian colored, non-white. Sure. Um, our history, the legacy of apartheid is such that um, we've been denied the ability to own land, and the, the desire to have property, something that I can call my own and live in, is such a great desire that we don't think further than just living in a property. Okay. That's one of the many reasons why we think of property as just a place to live. Okay. The second thing is we don't have the education to understand how you can utilize property as an investment tool. Mm. We've told in our career when we can work somewhere that we have to invest in some kind of pension fund or retirement annuity and that's where we're going to retire on that money. But Nigel, if, if, if I may jump yeah. in, right? If, if I look at it um, from, from the generation that was kind of like born post, post uh, apartheid, right? And be it black or white, and we start talking about property investing because most of them now are actually in a position, either if they're working, they're probably in a position actually right now to own a property for investment. The, what we are seeing statistically, they actually don't want to own anything. They want to hop in from one place to the next, to the next, to the next. There, we, we have no historic anything. It, it's just here in the mind, the round of what is happening in the society. So I like the mm -hmm. fact that you say it's education. Yeah. Because for me, I think, in, on whatever side of the fence you are sitting in, in terms of color or whatnot, you, I think that's our biggest problem. We actually just don't know what we don't know, and we keep on anchoring on the space where we are, not knowing that actually we can do, actually we can do. And I want to then come back and ask you another question to say, Nigel, you've got this property fund and you've got students um, and you have articulated very well to us who, is, who the fund is for, you know, um, the type of students that are coming in there. Now, in your view, how well are they receiving what you're bringing onto the table? You've got the drive, you've got the vision and you want to change, you want to transform the society, right? But the guys that you've got right now, how well are they receiving it? That's number one. And then number two, yes, the um, uh, other companies now are coming on board, right? Um, and you've got all of these tools and templates and everything else that you're coming through with. How is the market responding to that? I mean, to your 100 and plus students that you have now? So in terms of the market response, that's still to be seen because I'm now in my third year of actual training. And right. only, only at the end of this year will I have my first batch of graduates because it's a well, three-year program. It's a, th a three-year program. Yeah. The reason why it's so long 
If you look at any of the other academies, any of the other institutions that teach on property um, investment and developments and so on, yeah. they are all short courses because they teach a particular niche within the market. Right. I've decided to focus on the market in a more general way. Right. I do not dictate to any of the candidates where they must invest. Right. The candidate needs to decide for themselves what, um, what type of business they want to have mm -hmm. and which part of the industry they want to be part of. So whether they want to invest in industrial, commercial, residential, um, student accommodation, um, hotels, whatever. They must choose where they want to be. They may decide that they don't actually want to invest in property, but they want to actually own a business that is a facilities management company because there's a massive opportunity for black businesses within the facilities management space. Right, right. They may very well decide they want to come to that and be an investor. So we do not dictate to any of our candidates what they must do, which industry they must um, invest in, um, or what type of business they must start. Right. So that's why it's a longer course because we teach them 14 different disciplines within the property space, within the built environment, including the things like energy management, water management, facilities management, asset management, project management. Um, the list just goes on and on and on, occupation, health and safety. So there's a whole host of things that we teach. In the meantime, while we're teaching you all those things, we are also teaching you how to do developments, how to invest in property. Okay. Within the second to third year, we start encouraging our students in terms of them getting them to start looking at their first property deal. Okay. Because ultimately the goal of um, the Enterprise Development Fund, and you're talking about wives earlier on, it's my wife that actually came up with a tagline. Changing the landscape of property ownership patterns in the country. That is our core belief. We want to change the landscape of property ownership patterns in South Africa. Right. Where people can come out of that whole thing about property just being a place to live, but actually an investment tool, and to start realizing that they also can become property investors, and it's not just for the rich and the wealthy. Right. So ultimately, after the three years, or in the th within the three years, our main aim, other than teaching them all these disciplines, is to get them to walk away with their first type of okay. So that it's not just about education, but there's a practical side to guiding them into that first property deal. And that's ultimately what the, what the project, the program is all about, is to get them to take their first to take ownership of their first property and it's now happening we've got our third years and even some of the second years who are already finalizing the structures of the deals for their first deals that they are trying to do i've got one candidate um, who's just bought two parcels of land to do resident uh, sorry, um, uh, retail developments small strip malls yeah i have a number of students who are looking at small developments of like five or six or ten um, units on a parcel of land. Yeah. I have students who are just buying one apartment um, or one house. Yeah. Um, and possibly then converting it or building on and back in order to do some student accommodation. I have one student who has a house and two other properties, which the one she's already converted and the other one she's busy converting um, close to UWC. So there's a whole, you know, a range of different uh, methodologies, different ideologies and different ideas that these entrepreneurs have that they want to explore, expand and grow into. And that's really what we are. We're a catalyst for them to reach their dreams. And at the same time, not just teaching them, but giving them access to opportunities, whether it be in the public space or in the private space. Okay. And also to teach them how to raise capital for their businesses. We're not, we, you, use the, you use the word fund a lot in this um, discussion. We are not a fund that's going to lend you money. Right. We're not going to invest in your business. But we'll teach you how to raise your own capital and where to go look for the money. Okay. Because 
we, I firmly believe in the old adage that says, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Come you on. Feed him to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. So we could easily find the money and, and, and lend money to people. But what are we teaching them? We're yeah. teaching them to be reliant on us. We don't want them to be reliant on us. We want them to be able to go out there and raise their own capital. And in fact, there are four pillars and uh, things that we, we write in the beginning. I say to the candidates in orientation, four things that if you cannot, um, if you cannot uh, agree to these things, then please don't come back tomorrow. I actually say that to you. I said, don't come back tomorrow if you can't agree to these four things. Number one, do the same. Oh, sorry, no, I lied. Number one, be there. If you're not there, I can't teach you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> if you're not in the classroom, where are you going to learn? So be there. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, do the same. I don't want to be the be-all and end-all of property education within the South African context. I want my candidates to go and do the same after they've learned from me and from my entire group of people, including yourself. So they learn from me, they learn from you, they learn from, um, from Maya and from Nicole and all these other people that, we, that teach them. You can find all the, all the people's names on my website. Um, but at the end of the day, when they leave, they must take somebody under their wing and mentor the next person so that we can incrementally increase our capacity by allowing them to then teach others. That's number two. Number three, give back. So as much as the course is a minimal charge, um, what we encourage the guys is to, when they start a new business and we help them to start a new business, they can keep 90% of that business. But the Enterprise Development Property Fund as an organization, the academy, then gets given 10%. And that 10% then allows the longevity of the program and we can reach more people there. So that's number three, give back. Number four is work with integrity. If you can't work with integrity, I'm going to work with you. I do not want people on this program that are going to screw people over. I want you to work with integrity so that there's always, um, when you are doing a project or something with somebody, that there's always a give and take. Yeah. That you're not just trying to take from them all the time and, and even steal from them, but that there's always that give and take. So that's what we really ask about guys. Nigel, you are taking someone from either from school or wherever they are in their life right now. And you saying coming to the um, EDPF, there is a number of courses that you can get exposed to. And who knows, you might like one, you might like five, you might like all of them, but you can actually practice in the property space in different spheres. And it's actually up to you Whatever that's going to resonate with you is what you are going to do. Um, and then thereafter, you're saying, hey, when you go out there into the world, make sure that we, are, we have given you the value, but make sure that we're still surviving, but go and change the world. That's what I'm hearing. 100%. Wow. Well, uh, I think there are not so many places like these ones. Um, you know, if this was my grandfather talking, say, you, you are clever. Where did you get this idea? Where did you get this idea? <laughs> so, in fact, I'd like to answer that question, actually. Yeah. I firmly believe in my heart of hearts and my soul of souls that I am not that clever. <laughs> right. This idea wasn't about um, me coming up with a concept and then going out there to teach people. Right. I that it was divine inspiration because this wasn't something that I had sort of thought of over a period of time. It was an idea that literally came to me. So I really genuinely believe that it was a, a divine inspiration. And after lots of, of um, sleepless nights and um, talking with my wife about the concept, and she gave me some great ideas as well, um, and putting together 
the knowledge that I have, that I have learned, the things that I've learned for the 20-year period, into a, a, a succinct a program that will help people to understand what property is all about and then to help them to then become property investors themselves. I firmly believe this was divine intervention and it wasn't something that I thought of because I'm seriously not that good. I think I respect, I, I respect, that's one of the things that I respect about you, Nigel. You, you, not only are you a businessman, um, but you're also a man of faith. Um, so, we, which, is, which is cool, um, because I like things with the faith. Um, and, and my reason of wanting to be in the faith space was a business. Actually, uh, I, I, I didn't, it didn't become that way, but now so much that I'm in the business. I think number one, it has kept me grounded. Um, number two, sometimes when you hit even a small success, you now think that you can be God or you are God. Yeah. Now you've got everything that you kind of like wanted, you've reached your goal. But because you have something that you're looking up to and you faith, the bigger power from you, um, you, you always know that you are smaller, you're just human, you know, you're mortal. Um, and for me, the third thing is that there are turbulence in the property space. And some of them can knock you down. Like COVID, for example. <laughs> that almost knocked me down. Um, yeah. but, but if you have a divine space where you go to, to look for help, and to look, to, to anticipate that the help is coming, I think the road becomes easier. Yeah, agree fully. Yeah, yeah. Now, Nigel, I'm just going to go through into our last segment of the conversation. And this conversation here is just asking you one question, and you need to answer me on one. Okay. Um, if, if at any one day, on a chilled day, where can one find you? Promenade in Seapoint. All right. I actually thought that you were going to be saying somewhere with your wife, but uh, yeah. Well, actually, let me read Because I don't walk on the promenade without my wife. So she and I will be walking. That's where you find the both of us, not just me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what's your favorite business book, Nigel? So... I've had many over the years. Sure. Um, there are things like the Seven Habits um, by Covey, the um, uh, Making Friends, How to Make Friends and Influence People. Yes. My, my all-time favorite now is a book that's sitting on my shelf over there. Okay. It's called By the Tale, written by John Field. I've never been so intrigued by the story of a businessman um, and I have been by the story of John Field. South African businessman uh, started the Fed Group. Um, and I mean, his story is just phenomenal. I've got a signed copy on my, on my shelf over here. I just absolutely tiger by the I haven't read of it uh, or no head of it. I'm going to jump onto that myself. Um, if you had to give yourself some advice, Nigel, like your younger self, um, what advice would that be? A lot of numbers are 17, 56, 19, 18. <laughs> yeah. Now, in all seriousness, I would say stop messing around and start your property journey earlier. Um, you know, and, and teach myself how to actually be a property investor. I, I normally talk about um, this retirement annuity that I have. And in 2004, I stopped paying into that retirement annuity. Okay. At the time, it was 114,000 rand in the retirement annuity. And obviously, back then, that was a lot of money. Yeah. Like me coming from the sticks. So 114,000 rand sitting in this annuity. In February last year, I got an email from that company. I won't mention the name that manages that. Now, obviously, you know, a retirement annuity, you can't take it out until you retire. Yeah. Um, the very earliest you can take it out is at 55. So I'll only be 55 in five years' time. So, 
Um, I contacted my auntie. Yeah. That money's been sitting there since 2004. Last I got this email, February last year, and that's when it really hit me. And the money had grown. They were very proud to say that the money had grown from 114,000 rand to 126,000 rand. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> In a period of 15 years, the money had grown by 12,000 rand. That is less than 1% per year in growth. And if you take inflation into account, you take the, 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 you know, the, the um, uh, net present value of money and all of that. I mean, you and I know those calculations. Um, if you look at all of that, those factors, I've probably had a 5% negative growth on that money. You lose the money. If instead I had taken that money, put it into a deposit on a property of a million rand, by the 15th year, my bond would have been paid out because I would have paid extra into the bond. Yeah. Would have had a 2 million rand property because 15 years will get you at least a doubling of your value. Yeah. My property would have been two, worth 2 million rand. And I would have been receiving an income of anywhere between 10 and 20,000 Rand per month, not for 15 years. For the rest of your life. One of the things I would have advised myself, don't waste your time investing into, now I'm not saying you mustn't invest in a, do not take this as advice. Um, <laughs> I'm not a financial services provider. Uncle Nigel said. <laughs> this is me telling my younger stuff. 100%. Do not put your money into a retirement annuity, buy a property. Yeah. Thanks you on that. And the last question, Nigel, what does success look like to you? Okay, so as I said earlier on, money isn't the be all and end all for me. It never really has been. Yeah. It still isn't. Money is a I think that's our only difference. I'm of the view that money money is needed. It it yeah, no, no, no. I'm not saying money isn't needed. No, no. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not saying money isn't needed. I'm saying it's not the be-all and end-all of things. For me. Sure. Money is a commodity. Oh, a, a commodity that you can use in order to create wealth, number one. Right. right. More importantly to me is to make a difference in the world. Okay. So for me, success isn't about how much money was I able to to collect how many properties do I have? None of that really makes any, um, uh, doesn't change my life. Sure. What changes my life is what impact I've had in society. How have I made the world, but more especially South Africa, a better place? And I've always said to my family on my tombstone, I want to listen. Not that Nigel was a wealthy guy, lots of money, lots of problems, none of that. I want written on my tombstone that here lies a man, husband, father, mentor, a man who made a difference. And that's what success looks like to me. Awesome stuff. Nigel, if, if you have never looked at it this way, I'm, I'm going to uh, surprise you a little bit. In the African context, if you help one person, mm. they say statistically you've helped 10 others. I agree with that fully. Directly. You've got another five people indirectly. So that's around about 15. But let's not go to the 15 route. Let's just take on the 10. Yeah. On your program right now, the divine message came, came in. You were obedient and you've been pushing hard you literally have 125 times 10 people that you are impacting every day right now hmm. and i'm i'm of the view that you've already reached your success but this is just the start the starting point there is more yeah i'm, I'm humble to be in your midst sir um, I think we can start calling you. So you see now my, the levels of respect have changed. Eh? Well, you, Nigel, you went into uncle and now you're saying. Eh? <laughs> well, hopefully one day we can have the, the queen like me. <laughs> <laughs>
I'll, I'll make a call to Sir Richard Branson and ask him. Yeah, Nigel, any any closing comments uh, before we close out? Uh, if I were to speak, I mean, based on on your following and the the, the kind of people that you have, yeah, that watch your podcasts and so or listen to your podcasts and watch your your webinars, I would say. Um, don't make money your ultimate goal. Seriously. Right. Because I, had, <laughs> I know some very wealthy people who have asked this question of, I said, when is enough enough? Yeah. Because you'll never have enough money. Trust me. You'll never, ever, you'll always want more. So don't make money your ultimate goal. 100%. Be your ultimate goal. Take inspiration from people like Warren Buffett and those types of people who are closer to the end of their life, they turned around and went, you know what, I made all this money. What was it all worth? You know, what was, what was the value of it? And they went 95% of their wealth because they realized that actually, at the end of the day, it's not about how much money I can make, but what impact I can have in the world. Strive to be, to make an impact rather than to make money. Sure. And you will always follow. I mean, you know, TJ, you know. Yeah. You always follow good deals. We always talk about that. Yeah. But don't think about that. Think about the impact that you can make in the lives of others. That's really, that's my focus. Cool. Nigel, thanks a lot. It's been awesome having you. Boom, ladies and gentlemen, you had it right. Uh, and uh, I always tell you, M5 Successful Friends, and we haven't had Nigel here before, and yeah, some mind-boggling things, and uh, I am going to put all Nigel's um, uh, links in terms of where his website is. You can reach out to him if you want to. But this is it for now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been great hanging out with you. I am trusting that we have had some value. I've certainly learned one or two things. Actually, not one or two things, quite a lot. And uh, it's been wonderful. Thanks a lot, and until we meet again, God bless. Cheers. Yeah.